We all, I think we all probably like a good mystery, right? And we most especially like it when it resolves and uh, we figured it out. And so today's feast uh, presents us with a, a predicament of sorts in that it's not something that while we are here on earth, this trinity that we believe in, that we will likely figure out. The, the church has been struggling with this for two centuries now. The mystery of the most holy trinity is the central mystery of our Christian faith. It is the mystery of how to at least attempt to grasp some understanding of God. And so, therefore, it is the source of the other mysteries of our faith as well. It is the the light that enlightens them, that enlightens the truth of our faith. It is the most fundamental and uh, essential teaching in what you might call the hierarchy of the truths of our faith. And uh, thus, very important, and why we, we set aside a particular Sunday, again, as we enter into this time, this ordinary time of the year, to, uh, to bring focus to. The, the, the whole history of salvation is identical with the history of the way and the means by which the one true God, who is, we believe, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, reveals himself to humanity and then reconciles and unites with himself those who have turned away from him in sin which is all of us. You know, we, we wander away, we do things that, uh, that God doesn't want us to do, and he draws us back to himself in, uh, through the, the, the Trinity. A question for you this afternoon as we are gathered here is do, well, ask yourself this, do I believe in God? Do I believe in God? And I think you wouldn't be here if you didn't, although I would imagine there may be a, a person or two who is struggling with that. You know, most of us would answer yes to the question. But what about the question, who is the God in whom we believe? And while most of us believe there is a God, many of us do not know who God is, or at least, I think, most people would say that they've never had an experience of God. Now, I, in looking back over my life and my ministry, I've had a lot of them, and I feel blessed by those, whether it's in the, you know, the faith of a, a person who is in their last moments of life, or as you know, a, a couple are caressing their child who is about to be baptized, and so many other ways uh, I've you know, been blessed with those experiences of God that, that, you know, that are proof that God does exist. And the term Trinity is, in fact, uh, impossible to fully grasp. And yet the description of God as a Father and God as Son and, and God as Holy Spirit is central to most, although not all, of those religions calling themselves Christian. 
Defining or explaining God is beyond human words. However, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is about more than explaining God. Its primary purpose is to describe our experience of God. And when, that's difficult too, right? But it's not impossible because so many of us have had those experiences where we believe we've come in touch with, with God in our lives. We've all been watching TV, especially NFL football, when all of a sudden we see John 3.16, and that, of course, is the, the gospel, or verse out of the gospel that we've heard today. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. And for most of us, this is our primary experience of God. And that is that, that God loves us. God loves us. You know, we call the Trinity a mystery, but it's a different kind of mystery. The mystery of the Holy Trinity is a, is a mystery that wants to be solved, really does. God would love for each and every one of us to understand fully who God is. And how do we know this? You know, what the gospel teaches us is that God loves us so much, God loves us so much, that what did he do? That God acted first. And that God always makes the first move. If you read through Scripture, you see this over and over and over again. There are times in your lives when one of you as a spouse says to the other, I love you. And sometimes it is people in love who say it to the object of their affection. Sometimes it's a parent who says it to a child. And regardless of who says it, each and every one of us is hoping for a particular response. And that response is, and I love you. And children, well, children might be excused from responding directly, but Woe to the spouse or lover who fails to respond in that way. Yeah, I see the smiles on faces here. You know that. Woe to you who do not respond. We know that through the person of Jesus, God the Father has said to us, I love you. I love you just as God or just as, as you would say to your spouse or your parent. God hopes for a response from us. More than saying back to God, I love you, believing in him and acting on our belief is our response. And unfortunately, some say that their experience of God is one of fear. Remember, you know, in teaching high school, uh, that was oftentimes what I heard out of the youngsters. They feared God. 
perhaps as a result of their relationship with parents, I don't know, but, you know, to fear God is, you know, I, I have to wonder what that relationship has been like. You know, they, they see God as judge. But John tells us that God does not judge. God sent his son to save us, not to condemn us. And what we learn from John is that if we do not accept this gift, then we have in effect turned down God's love and have thus judged ourselves. We've judged ourselves by not accepting this love from God. And at times, of course, God can seem distant. But at our worst or our emptiest moments, his love seeps in. And we keep hearing over and over again, John 3.16, God so loves us that he sent his son. And even when the apostles turned their backs on Jesus at the crucifixion and, and ran away like scared rats, you know, Jesus did not condemn them or judge them. Jesus so loves us that that he did not abandon his apostles then or, or us now even when we sin. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit in, in order that he will always remain present to us. And the prayer that Paul offers to us today at the conclusion of 2 Corinthians, which we use at the beginning of Mass, reminds us of who God is. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the new translation, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We have the love of the Father. And the word grace is a word that speaks of relationship. So we are reminded that although we don't always feel it, we are always in a relationship with Christ. And two, we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And this fellowship is more than getting together at coffee and donuts, and far more than the fellowship enjoyed at a club. This fellowship speaks of a, an intimate experience, an intimate communion with God. You know, as we ponder our personal experience of God, and as we might struggle to put words to that experience, we should also ponder our response. You know, how, think about this, maybe this is something to think about all week long. How have we returned God's statement of I love you? How have we done that? You know, do we behave as a person who believes that God loves us? Have we heard the urging of Paul to mend our ways or to encourage one another in our pursuit of God? Now, just as lovers strive to discover the depths of each other's souls, do we choose to strive to discover the depth of God and how much God truly loves us? You know, the mystery of the Holy Spirit is tough to understand. But all of the mystery that we need to grasp is very simple. 
and that is that we are 